A real bodice ripper contains explicit, salacious, delicious, not safe for work content. Isn't that great? But no, seriously, listener discretion is advised. A real bodice ripper. 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 Hello. <laughs> How's it going? I uh, I just have a question. What is a kiss between friends, Rachel? I mean, a kiss <laughs> between friends is totally normal. It means nothing quite continental <laughs> but you know diamonds are a girl's best friend Di- uh, yeah or you know i guess or uh 30, pounds of a dowry. dowry yes and i sent you this link that helped put in perspective for me just what thirty thousand pounds in regency england was yeah, it was it's, like it's like a million dollars today oh it's no, it, it's even more than that because the one that you sent was for up to 2008. So oh. I went and I ran the numbers for 2020. And so, Excuse and then me. taking it both from pounds to how much pounds it would be worth today and then to how many dollars it would be so we can conceive of it because pounds tend to be worth more than ours. $3.9 mm-hmm. million. Wow. million. Now that's a hell of a dowry. (laughs) That is. It is a very nice dowry. I might want to marry Federica if, uh, (laughs) on second thought, no, I don't think I'd be able to put up with her. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Okay, yes, we should introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Rachel. And this is A Real Real Bodice bodice ripper. Ripper. A podcast that explores the delicious, guilty, and sometimes problematic pleasure that is found in romance novels. Welcome. Mm. Welcome. Today we are going to do a butterfly dive, a swan dive into the butterfly bride. Yes. So chosen because it had a Christmas theme to it when we searched for Christmas themed books this one was like this is Christmassy and also hey it's really cool historical romance also has people of color uh the Christmas ended up being very vague <laughs> but we, um it yes was there. It, it was, was there. it was like it was there it was heartwarming I liked the there was like comments about like their muffs oh <laughs> the goodness muff she was wearing I <laughs> would like a muff, muff. I always want a muff. <laughs> yeah, there was like one line where she was like, she like stuffs her her muff under his head. <laughs> and it's great because yep. it's like, <laughs> if you have a trash brain like I do. <laughs> She's stuffing her muff under his head. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, it wasn't Sexy. far off from probably what they both wanted to do. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, though they won't admit it because reasons. No. The Butterfly Bride, if you are into a catastrophically slow, savory burn of 
we we shouldn't, but we must. We shouldn't, but we must. If that gets you going, this is a book for you. Yes. <laughs> if not, you will be really into it. <laughs> yeah, but if not, it, it it can be like very much like such a frustrating read because you're like just yeah do it (laughs) (laughs) and a little bit of a spoiler alert if you are someone that likes that slow burn to then result in lots of sexiness this is Mm. maybe not the book for you (laughs) yes and I bet we'll cover that in the ratings too but yes there was I mean the kissing scenes were the kissing scene <laughs> was singular. <quite laughs> the, 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 the kissing scene near is it the pianoforte? Pianoforte? I, yeah. I am uncultured. Yeah, yes. the pianoforte kissing the scene was. was yeah. I, I, it was delicious, but it's they're just. I wanted there to be more. Yes, me too. But you know what? Let's get into it. Let's tell you a little bit about the book, starting with our book description of The Butterfly Bride. This is the third book in the Advertisements for Love books by Vanessa Riley. Yay! Woo! Here we go. Frederica Burgley wants to be married by Yuletide, or else her father will set her up with one of his friends. The bonbon-loving, illegitimate daughter of the Duke wants to choose her own husband. Advertising in the newspaper seems like the way to go. But a sinister response, with threats against her life, leads her to enlist the help of a very handsome, dear friend, Jasper Fitzwilliam, Lord Hartwell. A father and widower, Jasper is not only tasked with keeping Frederica safe, but also with helping his vibrant friend choose a suitable husband. The more he tries to keep the ever-surprising woman alive and find her a good match, the more Jasper realizes he cares for her. The two friends risk their lives for each other, so they should be able to risk their feelings for a chance at a deep and true love together. But he's not looking for marriage, and she's not looking for convenience. Dun-dun-dun! Mm. Yes. <laughs> One could say they're looking for two different things, but... Once you read the book, you realize it's not... I think they were on the same page more than they realized. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. There's so much to say about the book, and I know we kind of want to get right into it. But first, I think we should share a little bit about Vanessa Riley, the wonderful author yes. um, of The Butterfly Bride. Yeah, so Vanessa Riley writes historical fiction and historical romance, specifically focusing on the Georgian, Regency, and Victorian eras. Her stories feature hidden histories, dazzling multicultural communities, and strong sisterhoods. Her award-winning series, Challenge of the Souls, Advertisements for Love, and The Bargain have attracted fans from around the world. A lover of education and research, Vanessa is brilliantly accomplished. She holds a doctorate in, me- doctorate, excuse me, in mechanical engineering, hell yeah, and a master's <laughs> in industrial engineering and engineering management from Stanford University, as well as a, a bachelor of science and a master of, sci- is it, <laughs> of science yeah. in mechanical engineering from Penn State University. Basically, she's super accomplished. She's fucking brilliant. (laughs) Vanessa juggles mothering a teen, fucking brilliant, cooking for her military man husband, also probably a brilliant task, and speaking at women's and STEM events. She's known for her sweeping romances and humorous delivery of poignant truths. 
you can catch her writing from the comfort of her southern porch with a cup of Earl Grey tea. Sounds like a fucking dream, Vanessa. Yeah. You can <laughs> you can find her online at vanessariley.com. Um, Facebook and Instagram at Vanessa Riley Author, and you can follow her on Twitter at Vanessa Riley. She got all those name handles down. Good for her. Yeah. Sometimes they're taken. <laughs> sometimes they're taken. Sometimes there's too many letters in them. <laughs> yes, I know. They yeah, make with you R's shorten R's. it. <laughs> I love that Vanessa Riley is in STEM and also kind of tackling oh. the romance world, right? Like science. And yes. Like, yes. I am constantly in awe of some of these writers that we're seeing their background and just how incredibly smart they are. Um, the fact mm-hmm. that she is so science-based, but then also has this deep well of creativity is just so great. It's so awesome I, to see yeah. that. I learned a lot from the book about, I think, kind of, ju- I, I always learn something from historical fiction. And oh, yeah. I think this book was no different. And I think the attention to detail in this book was was oh, really, yes. really spectacular. So She has a deep love of those historical details. And you can see that in the book. And you can also, if you go to her website, she kind of talks about a lot of the historical things of these times there as well. Like it is a place where you can go to learn more about these this history. And she's like, welcome, welcome. You're here to learn let me teach you some of these things. There were there were some little details in this one where I'm like, mm, I don't feel like that detail was quite right. But um, I'm I I'm f- curious to hear which ones those are. Oh yeah, it's it's basically one where I was just like, the logistics of this made no sense. But okay, <laughs> but oh. I can suspend disbelief for love. Um, okay, I guess. <laughs> okay, VanessaRiley.com. We can find out more. Um, yeah, I think with that, let's, because there's a lot to talk about. Should we there is. Let's get right so into let's get to the our ratings. Ratings, that's right. We rate a couple of things in the book so that you kind of know what's coming up and like what different things you're going to see a lot of. Starting with our spice rating, all of our ratings are out of five, with one being less so, five being most so. So for spice rating, this is all about the sexiness. Um, it's not just the sex scenes. It's also the sexual tension and the builds there. Um, so what did you rate it, Jesse? So out of five, I gave this a three. Um, obviously, you know, we know that there's just, I mean, in terms of sex, like sexual tension, there is, I, I, it's brimming for most of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I I found myself wanting it to be like, I wanted them to actually do it. Maybe I'm just so impatient. (laughs) I was like, you like each other. Please do it already. Um, But yeah, so I ended up giving it a three. And I think that's because it was kind of brimming with, at times, this is beautifully written kind of love between the two of them, I guess. Like that was like unspoken and could only exist when, you know, in between them and these like secret little pockets. Mm-hmm. Well, I gave it a two. Um, mm-hmm. I did think there was a lot of that, definitely the tension and slow burn, but like some of the problems I had with it is like the way that she kept lining it up, it would be like someone had the sexual tension going on on their side and the other person was just shutting it down. And it just kind of, that happened so often. There were so little times when that sexual tension built and then 
the ultimate built for me was very disappointing. We all know me. I like when <laughs> books discuss the sexual acts. <laughs> and um, you're like, I want to know what went where, how it went how there, it and happened, how many times. And how hot it was as it <laughs> happened. And when it's just like a light allusion to the event, I am personally very disappointed. You don't um, like the fade to black scenes where it's like, and then no. like it fades. And then you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I want I want details. I don't want softcore porn. <laughs> I want mm-hmm. full on full on porn. Thank you. And if anyone is with Rachel on that, I encourage you to tune in to a future episode coming soon where we will be covering an erotica. Woo! <laughs> Woo! I'm excited. <laughs> Which it's yes. I guess I was going to say I haven't really read Erotica, but I have read Laurel K. Hamilton, and I feel like that really verges on it at times. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very graphic. Um, yeah. But yeah, this, I'm excited. This, uh, yeah, the, the, the kind of the buildup to the ultimate act in this book was, you're right, it was very nebulous. It was kind of like, y- you know, there's a hint that it happened. You know it happened. You know but it happened. Like, yeah. But, but there's no not. details. No. It's, no, it's no. described in three sentences. That's <laughs> I'm, right. I'm all for like a multi-page description of all the sexy times oh, I mean, my characters are let's having. Be, let's be real. So am I. Like I definitely like when this ha- <laughs> like when I when I uh, got to that part, <laughs> I was like just reading it over. I was like, yep. I, <laughs> I was looking forward to seeing if Jasper lived up to all of his arrogance. <laughs> oh, all his like innuendos that he, he was, was throwing out there. He was big and strong. And for once oh. she wanted to listen to him. She wanted to listen to a man who wasn't her father. And I was like, uh. oh, wow. Yeah, this is going to be an intense fuck. <laughs> and uh, alas. <laughs> but you know what? It... Maybe that's not what the book was meant to be about, but I don't know. So that's the spice rating. Yeah. Yes. Uh, So this one is definitely lighter in spice. Um, And trope rating, I actually, it didn't feel overly tropetastic to me. Um, For the trope rating, I gave it a two for that. I thought there was like the friends to lovers sort of trope some forced proximity going on since he had to like be there to protect her and basically forced her to share space with him. Um, There's like kind of the children that really love the prospective new mother, which kind of brings them closer together. But like, Mm -hmm. it didn't feel crazy tropey to me. Yeah. No, I, I felt like there were so many parts of it though, that were very classic, like the, you know, kind of for, it wasn't forbidden love, but it was, like, impossible love. Um, like, this mm-hmm. idea. It was more of a conception. Like, we can't be together. But they wanted to be together so bad. Um, and you're right. I think you covered it really well. Friends to lovers and forced proximity. And the kids who... I don't... I, like, I don't know. I guess they grew on me slightly. But in the beginning, when they first came into the scene, I They're was like, oh holy terrors. <laughs> they were, like, little terrors. Holy terrors. And, oh, my goodness. One of the things we're definitely going to talk about is how she, like, passed her test of being around the kids. And I was like, in my opinion, you failed this test. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> freak? You are the worst babysitter ever. But anyway, She left. She left. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. 
so overall rating, it looks like on Goodreads, this got a 3.90. So a pretty decent Goodreads Mm -hmm. rating. And um, definitely, I think that if you are into historical romances, if you are into maybe things that aren't quite as steamy as some, um, like I think people could really enjoy this. I gave it... um, well, I put 2.5 here, but I think I'll probably give it a three. Like it's, I, mm-hmm. I do think that I really enjoyed the way that Vanessa like described everything and the detail that was put there. I think I just was frustrated with the characters. And so that made it not my favorite. <laughs> right. No. And I, 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 I think the first thing I gave it a 3.5. So a little bit lower than the Goodreads, uh, and I, when I started reading the book, I, it was it was a little hard for me to get into. I was, I don't know if it's just because like we read a lot of books, and so yes. our heads are constantly all over the place. Like in one book, we're in like a gritty urban fantasy, and then we're back to Regency <laughs> England. <gasps> Stop it, oh. sir! You know. <laughs> and then like the next thing was like it blew her head off. <laughs> he had the gun yeah. to his head. I'm like, <laughs> so <laughs> just feel like. So we're a little bit schizophrenic, I think. <laughs> it's like all, all over, over the, place. the place. And I was like, yeah, so reading this book, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if it's just me or this is very like, just very, it's it's very, well, I can't even come up with a word right now, but there, it was very like fluffy, like uh, Super prosy. fluffy. Yeah, yeah, very fluffy. Um, I, I But that being said, as I read the book and gave it a chance, let it kind of develop, it is beautifully written, if not somewhat cheesy at times, but I think that that might be in for, that might be something that you're into, you oh, know, yeah. if, you, if you're there's, into like, there's a reason Hallmark movies do so well, <laughs> not yes. necessarily good stories, but a lot of good cheese, a lot of good feels. Yes. Yes. And if that's the case, this book is dangerously cheesy. Yes. Yeah, like a cheetah. You like a good Hallmark yeah, movie? You'll like this. <laughs> exactly. So, but I do, I do think uh, there were a lot of beautifully written parts. I like the way she worded a lot, and I think that's what kept me kind of inching it up. Was that it was just, it's it's well written. Uh, was I frustrated with a lot of the characters? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I kept texting Rachel like, okay. <laughs> what's gonna what? happen because i need them to, i need them to kiss i need her to read <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a yes. lot of screaming mm-hmm. so, so speaking anyway. of these amazing characters uh just a quick look at <laughs> our main heroine and our main man uh our heroine is frederica bergley can uh, i she, can i just oh. say you, yes. you you pronounce it probably correctly. I had no idea. I was like Burley, like Burley. Oh, Ber- I mean, it might be. I didn't Google it, and I know sometimes when it's a British word, they say things really strange, like Worcester, Worcester, Worcester. Worcester. Oh, Worcester. instead of yeah, Worcester. Like, Worcester. Yes, <laughs> it's very different looking. Uh, so I could be saying it completely wrong, uh, mm-hmm. but I was think like I was imagining it like Bingley, but. Burgley. Uh, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Frederica Burgley, she is our main lady. She mm-hmm. is an illegitimate daughter of a duke. 
So Mm -hmm. if we're remembering our royalty and where those things rank, that Duke is right beneath the the prince and princess level. So they are Mm -hmm. up there in society. And basically she was the daughter of his long-term mistress who was a courtesan who Mm -hmm. They referred, she's a person of color, a black woman, and in the book they called them blackamoors, which I guess was kind of, they also called um, them negresses at one point uh, Mm -hmm. when it talked about her and her friend. So I think that after I looked into the term blackamoor a little bit, it was super derogatory term of the time. So I feel like even though it was used a billion times in this book, I prefer to go by, by just like, a black person. <laughs> um, yeah, because, right. Well, yeah. Yeah, so it basically, um, and you think about, one thing I didn't realize for a long time when I was young, they would talk about the Moors and stuff like that, like how Othello was a Moor and how that basically were the people of the darker skin color. And the mm. um, basically, Burgley is a courtesan and she is a beautiful, beautiful woman, but she didn't want to just be making her way out on the street. So she reeled in this Duke and made him fall in love with her. And so he kept her as his kept mistress and his kept woman and had a daughter with her. And she mm-hmm. was light skinned enough that she could pass. So when mm. Burgley passed away, the Duke took her in and um, claimed her as his child. So even though she was still his illegitimate daughter he claimed her and so with that she now Mm -hmm. has a place in society which I think was a really challenging place to be because she doesn't feel like she necessarily belongs she's constantly feeling like she has to prove herself um yeah I can't even imagine and it goes I think you know it goes really beautiful like I guess it kind of it dives into this headspace where you know she's clearly kind of like always kind of thinking about this, you know, these multiple layers of her identity and existing in the society and, and navigating it. And I think, you know, her perspective, it's very powerful throughout the book. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, she definitely, yeah. Yeah. It's like a driving force of action because I think, of course, the fact that she really wants to secure a place for herself where she is respected is why she decides that she has to get married. She doesn't want to end up like her mother. She doesn't want to be seen as her mother's child, as someone that's meant to be a mistress. Mm -hmm. She wants to get married. She wants to be a Yuletide bride. And I think, you know, as we get into the book too, the Duke, her father, has just remarried. The house is now the duchesses as well. She feels like she's a little ousted and that she needs her own home. She wants options. She wants to be a part of society, like you're saying, absolutely. And all these layers are pushing her her forward. And so she's put, like any ambitious young woman, she puts an advertisement in the paper. Yes, um, that's how, yes. I mean, it's online dating. It's basically online dating in the Regency England. era. Right. And so she's basically swiped uh, on a couple suitors, let's put it that way. And now they've yep. like decided to meet, except in Regency England, you need a male uh, chaperone with that. And that's our other yes. person. That's Lord Hartwell. Yes. <laughs> the guy and who basically yes. is in love with her. <laughs> yeah. So he's our main guy, Jasper Fitzwilliam, who's uh, the Viscount of Hartwell. 
And so Viscount is a little bit lower down. Uh, you have like things like Earls above that. So definitely not as well connected as a Duke. Um, but still, you know, is kind of like a titled type person, uh, has a pretty decent position in society. And he has red hair. <laughs> and he's strong and brutish at times. Um, and he is mourning over his wife who died right. about two years ago. And honestly, I don't feel like it's super unusual that someone will still be dealing with the trauma of losing their wife two years later. No, like, it's not long at all. <laughs> not long. That's, yes. I mean, especially in a romance book where you also kind of need that, right? You kind of need mm -hmm. him to be in mourning. Otherwise, it would just be too perfect, of course, because well, yeah. they clearly are so smitten with, smitten with each other. They um, need something that yeah, can he's, draw them apart. <laughs> yes. And, and I think something that was interesting about this book is that Hartwell, the other, like the main character and the love interest of Frederica, is he's older, right? And he's mm -hmm. um, he's been married. You know, a lot of... Sometimes a lot of romances, it's about, like, young, fresh, delicate little daisies, and they're, like... First love. First loves or things like that. But we see here that this is a, a man who's been in love, and, and he, he the character kind of goes into his love with Maria, his late wife, and he has mm -hmm. children, so he's, like, he's, like, spawned. He's, he's got a house, you know? So he's, like... And he even kind of questions his aging appearance throughout the book, like, oh, am, mm -hmm. I, am I enough for Frederica? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was interesting. Yes. And so, yes, these are our two main people. Uh, kind of circling back around to those advertisements for love, uh, the series. So this is actually the third book in the series. And some of the friends that we encounter, like Theodosia and her friend Esther, mm -hmm. both were in the first and second book. So if you want to know about their stories, oh. um, you can read about them in the first two books. Um, which I thought was kind of fun. Like it's, she keeps the line along there. Um, when I looked at, I think she vaguely then references who's going to be in the fourth book. Um, but it didn't seem like it was an established character that we've had in these books. Oh, you know, like it's it? going to, it, like at the very end, they're like, well, I hear this person's going to be putting an advertisement in the newspaper. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> it was like very blatant. Like, Hey, this is coming up. Well, and one of the things that this made me think of really strangely is Belle Gunnis, who was a basically a serial killer like oh. in the 1800s <laughs> in Indiana. <laughs> and this woman would basically place advertisements in the paper saying like, wealthy heiress looking for a man to spend her time with and then the guys would come to see her and then she would murder them and steal their money and bury them in her backyard <laughs> so <laughs> it made me laugh because i was just like this doesn't always go well these advertisements for love and yeah, it know. does not go well of course for frederica because no we open with much confusion much disorientedness and like someone breaking into her room in the middle of the night and she has no idea what's going out she can't like move her arms or her legs <laughs> okay. and she's not functioning she falls on the floor and I was like well clearly she's been roofied <laughs> I, 
I I literally had to reread this part like three times. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, just okay. Let me wrap my head. Okay, so clearly this person is so either inebriated or drugged or something. But like, it was, it was a disorienting thing to read. I think you could put. Yeah. A true crime podcast, what happened that night of the Duke's party, because Frederica somehow was so discombobulated and, you know, like you said, roofied, that she ended up, like, having to crawl out of her own bed away from an attacker or something. Yes. And, And then the next thing you know, she's waking up in bed with a man, pressed (gasps) against a man, a man Uh kissing her. Oh, Oh, oh no. no. Oh no no no. <laughs> Not in Regency England, honey. No. You will be your reputation compromised. Will be soiled. You right. will be compromised. And it is of course Jasper's bed that she is waking up into a that's kiss. That's Hartwell. That's Hartwell. Yeah, that's our Hartwell. That's uh, Mr. Fitzwilliam. There are too many names. <laughs> I know, that's many no, names. thank you. I was like Jasper <laughs> Fitzwilliams. Hartwell, Hartwell, Cecil, I, I was, I could not. So he, to me, he's always Hartwell, but. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Hartwell. Um, and so like, she kind of like scrambles out of bed and he's scrambling out of bed and, and he's like, well, for your honor, I clearly must marry you now. And she's like, no, get out. And she kicks him out a window. <laughs> right. And he has to like scuttle down a fucking window. And he's like, are you sure you want me to leave? Like, he's clearly kind of sassy, but like. Yeah. In the in the book, which was actually kind of confusing for me at first, they it's not very much established that this this book starts off halfway through an already baked love story. Like yes. they know each other, but it's not. It, it just slowly starts to establish that. So when I was reading this, I was like, "Does she like him? Does she want to be in bed with him?" Girl, yeah. why are you kicking him out? You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe you like for him. And like, if you really, really want to get married, like, yeah, I thought yeah. she wanted to get married. He's he's a sight for sore eyes, maybe. But no, but she apparently kicks him out and he has to scuttle down. Yeah, like there's something so unacceptable about it being a result of him trying to protect her honor that she would rather marry a stranger who responded to a newspaper ad. And I guess that's one of the things that really frustrated me about the action throughout (laughs) this is she's like, I would never ever dream of having myself like in a situation where I had to be with this man that I really, really like, but Mm -hmm. I'll definitely force myself to be someone with someone that I don't love and don't care for. It was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. The logic was a little strange. I think it has something to do with her mom. I think it has something to do with, like, being in a precarious situation and kind of feeling like, no, I want to be in an honorable marriage. I, You know, I want yeah. to be, like, I don't want people speaking about me. You know, I already feel, uh, like, ostracized from the society. So, but, yeah, like, I definitely feel, like, especially because it becomes very clear that the reason why she... I don't know, (laughs) stumbled out of bed, drugged, and somehow woke up in Hartwell's bed that night was because someone was trying to break in her room and freaking murder her or something. And so it's clear someone's trying to kill her. Someone's so obsessed with her that they want her. And, and I mean, it just so happens she put a bunch of advertisements in the paper looking for love, and now someone's trying to get to her. I don't know. To me, it's like a clear recipe of a stalker. And I'd be like, yes. I think I'm just 
gonna marry this yummy viscount right here who um, seems to really care about me who <laughs> who yeah and it's like you know she's so bent on like well i can make these other men love me i'm like you can make the viscount love you yes. <laughs> he, it won't take well, long he at all he's like he's already <laughs> mostly there he still yeah. does love his dead wife but like at the same time, if you're going to be with an older gentleman, a, like anyone that has history, like they're going to have these previous loves in their life. Like yeah. there's no coming to it fresh without someone like changed by what they've gone through. And so it's just so frustrating to me because I'm like, <laughs> F- and maybe in Regency England, because of the way that they do it, you don't have tons of previous loves. That makes right. a little bit of sense. But at the same time, I'm like, get over it. <laughs> over it yeah uh. and I think I think it, it it starts to lay on pretty thick from the get-go that they're so clearly smitten with each other and all the surrounding and supporting characters are pretty much echoing it's like an echo chamber throughout most of the book oh you know because like whatever you know she kicks him out of the room get out we can't be compromised together and so he's he's like you know having a jolly well, not really a walk of shame in the morning as these dogs follow him. He's trying to, like, yeah. get back in the house, like, acting cool, right? <laughs> but he's even thinking, like, that little minx uh, didn't mind oh, that, you know? Why like, is she teasing me this way? Such a minx. Oh, yes, she frustrates me. Minx. And she's like, oh, that brute. Yeah, you know, she's pressed she's like, up oh, against me. <laughs> how dare he? My, my girlish ways. I mean, yeah, so it's like, and and then it's like it's pretty much like that for like a lot of the book like they're kind a of a lot of it <laughs> yeah like the the duke her dad just got married so and he seems like kind of a dick i'm not going to oh, lie yeah. like he's kind of a dick it's, he's it's part <laughs> of what drives her is that she is constantly looking for his approval and he is like impossible to please he isn't a very loving person and he does care about her in some way but they even kind of reference it's like the way that he treats her is like a step above the way he treats his dogs oh and right yeah there was unfortunate. like a there was a fucking line in the book where he was like hartwell was like oh you know he he would talk highly about you and kind of like and then he would talk about his dogs and she's like well at least it goes in that order and you could tell she was hurt and i was like oh yeah. my god how awful fuck the duke and you know so the duke's gotten married and it's clear that his daughter someone tried to take her life and he's freaking out like oh we have to find out who, who did, did this? this and i have and to then go at on the a honeymoon same time he has to go on his home honeymoon because uh, he's otherwise his new wife will be upset. But then the other thing is like they kind of present it to the police force. The Lord Mayor guy presents it to the police force as a theft. They focus on the theft aspect of it because if it were known that the person was breaking in and attacking Frederica, her being an illegitimate child, being a person of color, being Burgley's daughter they are like, we need to treat it as the theft because otherwise Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll get the support of the force. And that's just so it's, I mean, it's fucking awful. (laughs) It's awful, but like, it's not, it's not gone. This isn't like a thing of Regency England, you know, like that sort of stuff is still happening today, not only with people of color, but also like um, how it's like, because she was Burgley's daughter, how 
in true crime sort of things, you hear about these, how they kind of dismiss certain murders because they're like, oh, well, this person was living a high risk lifestyle. And it's like, no. Oh. No. Right, right. No, it's that's yeah. No, in po- in like certain areas where like there's you know a high population of like sex workers and like they they are all getting murdered and then the cops mm. are like, eh, we're not eh. really going to care about this because they're sex workers and therefore we see them as lower. And and then these fucking serial killers stay on the For years outside, continuing years. to kill people because the police don't value human fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. And so. that's still happening in Regency motherfucking England. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you're frustrated by those things, you might recognize some of that in this book. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of intersections here. So, yeah, I mean, and so there and, and on top of it, this thief took all of Frederica's most precious items that her mom she did seem like she had a really special connection to her mother she respected her mother and she kind of saw her as a wise intelligent woman who 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 kind of made her way in the world and like had a hard had a hard time but didn't like she basically made it you know yes and taught her a lot of those things so part of her is really pushing to not be seen as Burgley's daughter but she at the same time kind of uses the skills that she learned from her mom to where she's like you know what I can make any man fall in love with me and Mm -hmm. she uses those charms in polite society um so um I think it's part of her struggle (laughs) is the fact that she did respect her mom and learned all these good things but she also just doesn't want to be seen the same way and have to face the same struggles that her mom did Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so ugh, it's sorry, I'm like adjusting how I sit here, you know, <laughs> ergonomics of podcasting. Yes. Uh, On the yes. floor. In, yes. in, a <laughs> in my uh, fancy in a studio. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot of layers here. And so, you know, obviously there's been a crime. She's not going to get proper support. Hartwell is furious when he finds out what happened he is scared for her he wants to protect her he can already kind of see that the duke is washing his hands in it and is kind of like well i guess i'll buy her a whole bunch of new dresses and she's got to get married and and she wants to get married and hartwell's like i will uh, i will help yeah you go on your honeymoon you go on your honeymoon duke and i will watch over your daughter and the duke's pretty much like and the duke's like you, you know I'm her? giving 30 million pounds to the or 30,000 pounds to the person that takes her. So if you'd like to have her as your mistress, uh, you can totally do that. It's like it's such like an old boys club conversation. And like it's like her fucking life. <laughs> and he's like, well, even if you take her as a mistress, you can have it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, didn't he like he basically offered it even if he wanted yeah. to take her as a mistress and, and not as was, a wife. Yeah. Right. And which that's is so, what she absolutely yeah. doesn't want. That's what she doesn't want. No. And he kind of, he's so clearly into her. She's a minx. She's beautiful. She's like everything. He's like, oh my God. He's like, just wrap me in your cocoon, Frederica. I am yours. Like, yes. Like, and oh, and yet, he calls, so Butterfly Bride. Uh, oh, right. I didn't realize how often he was going to call her a butterfly throughout this. Yes. Like, he's constantly referring to her flitting and flying and being light like a butterfly. That's like his little term of endearment for her throughout the entire book. Yes. that's And so the Butterfly Bride is like, it's her. She's the butterfly. Yeah, he calls her yeah. his butterfly. And 
it, yeah, it, it does get a little much at times. Like sometimes I was like, well, she doesn't mind it, I guess, but it's interesting. Again, like a lot of this is like, I almost feel like we were dropped into the second book. Like, yes. which we were, but like almost like they, these characters were in the previous book and maybe I missed something because there's a lot yeah. of like uh, hearkening back to like, oh, it reminded him of when they hung out at the flower festival last summer and she was so carefree and light and smiling and dancing and now she was struggling and I don't know. Yeah. It just was hard for me sometimes because I was like, I don't know about that. I wasn't there and as a reader, it was hard for me to connect with the power of that nostalgia. Yes, yes. And I do, I feel like that probably had happened in either the first or second book, maybe the first one, because it focused around Theodosia and his brother falling in love. Through an advertisement? Through an advertisement. And the way they mentioned it, I actually feel like he might have responded to the advertisement first. Yes. And, um, but then decided he wasn't ready to get married. And then it seems like there was some history that already existed with Theodosia and, uh, his brother who ended up, you know, marrying him. So, right. And it's really fun. Cause that's another, um, mixed race story. Um, like almost every single one of these books focuses around a woman of color who's like actually seems to be pretty set up decently well for Regency mm-hmm. England. They tend to be uh, inher- are having inheritances or stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I'm glad to see that they're not having to fight as much to make an everyday living. Um, mm-hmm. But it also makes me curious to see what exactly is happening in their lives. And Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, stories of joy are just as important as stories of struggle and yes. I, I think that I think that's awesome. And I, I mean, I would be curious, to, you know, if you I would be curious to, to see the other books. And I think if you are interested in this book, you know, how there's some books you can kind of just jump in the second one. Maybe this one isn't one that you should just jump into. Maybe yeah. start with the first one. Yes. And, and, and we thought it would be OK because it was lined up as one of those ones where it's like, a different story per each thing, but it definitely right. hearkened back a lot to some history that we maybe didn't have. Okay, and that <laughs> makes more sense. And we wanted a Christmas story, and we got yes. it. But Christmas story, <laughs> Christmas story. But we <laughs> right. So yep. yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. So it's like so you know. Okay, so Hartwell steps up to the plate and he says, "I will take care of Frederica while you go on your honeymoon, Duke." And she's got you know. I will watch over her and she's Take she wants her to, to be a these right people. she wants to be a yuletide bride now that the duke's married she doesn't really want to be like the woman of the house anymore she wants to give that to his duchess and that makes sense I mean I think it's really proper mm-hmm. of her honestly like she's clearly like listen I don't want to be a buzzkill and you're like daddy's main woman now I used to be because I was his daughter it's maybe this is I don't know maybe it seems like that's how it was in Regency England I, I don't know yeah yeah but definitely <laughs> like it's I guess so and now you know he's got his wife so she wants yeah. to she put all these advertisements and He's going to, Hartwell's going to like chaperone her to meet them so she can get married by Christmas. Yes. And so oh, and she then also find out who's trying to murder her. 
Yes. And I will say the whole like someone trying to murder her ends up being very secondary to everything. That, a, like it gets lost so much throughout the story. Like it's a and, back burner plot for sure. <laughs> yes. And it feels like it shouldn't be. It feels like it should be a little bit more front and center. And one of the things I think that frustrated me a lot was the fact that she comes up with this like idea that so prior to someone breaking into her room, she had gotten multiple threatening letters from this person as well. So not only did she have like people responding to advertisement saying, I want to marry you, but she also had threatening stalker letters. And mm -hmm. in her brain, she decided, well, if I get married, then the stalker will just go away. And I find that to be incredibly <laughs> faulty logic. <laughs> right. No, I didn't get that either. Like I, and then, and then it becomes, then she kind of comes out and says, you know, but not to Hartwell. I can't get married to him because then he would be in danger because as yes. the letters, the letters to her gotten uh, aggressive, more aggressive. Progressively so they brought more up him and his children. Kids. Like, oh, because the, the writer of this letter, her stalker was becoming jealous that Hartwell and her were getting close. So she kind yes. of like, I guess prior to the book start, there was three months where she was very cold to Hartwell before waking up in his bed with him. So, oh. and all this is, yeah, all this is like you, you kind of are doing the math yourself. Like, oh, okay. But yeah, it doesn't make sense to me that she thinks this is just going to go away go once away. she gets married. Like if anything, for, he's just going to attack her husband. Yes. Yes. And then she's like, she wants to protect her friends because the person is also brought up like her friends. And she's like, well, if I just go and marry this person out in the country then this person will just go away and leave my friends alone and that makes no sense it makes no sense and <laughs> it's one of the reasons like why she won't marry jasper hartwell is because she's like oh no because then the stalker will hurt him but then like she doesn't care about the vicar and the fact that he this vicar has two young boys and the stalker would probably start threatening them like i found that to be rather unfeeling <laughs> Um, yeah, that it, it didn't, I mean, yeah, I didn't really know where that was going. I found myself forgetting about the murder plot. Yes. <laughs> because I was, there was, a lot of the book were chunks of, like, long conversations between her and yes. Hartwell, where he was essentially like, I love you. Not like, his, actually, he does not say I love you. That's the problem. No. I like I you. care for you. I like you. You're my world, my fire. He's like, he's just, he is like gassing her up, like for the most part. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you silly man. You know? And I will say at the same time that he's doing a lot of this, he almost always ends in the beginning as like, and why won't you just be my mistress? And it's like, fuck off you. No. She has clearly stated she doesn't want that. I know. And she was like, well, then where will that leave us? He's like, we're good friends. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, she, she's told you so many times she doesn't want to be a good friend. She doesn't want to be your lifelong dinner partner. She wants, yeah. like... She's she given out papers. boundaries and I'm proud of her for putting those boundaries forward. And it was really frustrating for how long it took him to work through realizing, like, I like this person in a way that I really need to let go of this weird idea that me remarrying would be bad. Yeah, like, I, I know. Ooh. And like, I get that. I get that, you know, everyone is trying to be proper and, and you know, okay, your wife is dead, but you that doesn't mean your vow is. But 
It, did they not have Till Death Do Us Part in Vows back in Regency? Was that like a new edition like or something? Did, and like her father, he had multiple wives and it wasn't because of divorce. It was because multiple wives died. Like he had two wives before he had then the, the mistress and now he's on wife number three. Like, yeah. So why couldn't, I don't understand. Well, and I think maybe it had to do with the fact that like Hartwell was clearly still in mourning. Yes. You know, and we, yeah. I mean, I've seen Downton Abbey. Mary, Lady Mary was in mourning for a long time. She <clears> was. <throat> and that was she like a hundred years later. So, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but it's like he um, was in mourning, but at the same time he was clearly in love with her. Pursuing. And so I feel like there, yeah. And pursuing. So I feel like there's a point where like there was this cognitive dissonance and that his, was going on there. Like he would, like when I say he like came on strong, sometimes he would lay it down so thick, like, I, he, like some of these carriage scenes, you know how you and I love a good oh. romp, romp in the carriage. Do okay? love a good romp in the carriage. Yes. Those carriages are a bouncing along. <laughs> They're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so. They have quite a few carriage scenes that were not as exciting as they could have been. <laughs> <laughs> our, our standards are high. Um, yeah. But, like, I just think that, like, but they could have been because he was, he was coming onto her in a way that was really thick. Like, there were several times where I was like, this is a little, like, uncomfortable at times because I knew in her head she liked it because she was like, I do love him, but he'll never, I can't have him. He's a widower who has nothing to give me from his heart. But... The way she'd respond was like, stop that, you know, no, it can't be. So after a while, it was like for him to continue consistently being like, oh, uh, you know, I like, oh, at one point he's like nice thick thighs, nice legs and all these things. And she's like, oh, you, I don't know. Like I'm part of you. Oh my God. For a long time, he was really just trying to get a kiss from her because the kiss that they shared when waking up, she described as dry and not good. And so he was like desperate to prove that he was a good kisser. He was so desperate. So he kept laying on really, really thick to try and get that kiss. And it was not working out for him for most of this book. And I, I guess that yeah. was one of my things is I felt like some of the action, some of the conversation, some of the plot were very cir- circuitous. Like, it's like you were just going through the same circles over and Mm -hmm. over. And so to me, it was a little crazy making because they say like, you know, insanity is trying the same thing and (laughs) expecting a different outcome. That's what it felt to me throughout Mm -hmm. most of this until they finally did the shift to do something else. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. (laughs) We've been doing the same loop for the past 200 pages. (laughs) Right. And that scene where they finally kind of, you know, he's he's desperately trying to convince her to not get married. He's agreed mm-hmm. to be her chaperone, to meet all his potential husbands, but he's not for it. He wants her to wait. Why? Because I think he doesn't really say this, but he wants her to wait so that he can feel more okay with being Getting with her. married. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be with her, just not right now. I mean, that's like the... He's like, like, I would love boy. to marry her, but right. like I this Yuletide even, deadline is a lot. And I totally, I understand that too, because I feel like her Yuletide deadline is so made up in her brain. There's mm-hmm. no reason 
that it has to happen by that day, except for that she has randomly decided that she wants to be a Yuletide bride. And it can't be next Christmas. It has to be this Christmas. And she's very oh, I found that much, very frustrating. Right. And she's very much like, now or never. There's some thinking traps going on here. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like either now or never. And Christmas time was special to me and my mother and things like that. Like she's trying yeah. to kind of like seal up something with a bow to be to continue the Christmas pun. But, um, (laughs) and he's, he's just trying to convince her not to get married, but then he's like consistently putting on the brakes because he's just like, but, uh, you know. But I I can't can't, marry her now. I I can't marry her though. And it's like, well then dude, then stop trying to like coax her out of getting her fucking shit together. Cause she obviously, she wants to, she wants to kind of like find this marriage and like, I'm getting the sense like back then marriages were more like they were kind of an arrangement as well. Like yeah, it wasn't just about business like passion. arrangements. Yeah. Right. So if I was trying to like close a business deal and some other one was just like, don't do it. Wait for me. And I'd be like, I want to get this business deal done. Like, I don't know, yeah. you know, but yeah, it was that just, does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. For so, the time, especially. But you're, you're right. Like some of these things, some of the logic doesn't make sense. Also, they just so clearly like each other and he just, mm-hmm. it's like, He's he's literally simping for her like the entire yeah. book, and then finally at the end he's like, you know, oh, okay, I can, I will marry you. You'll marry me, yeah. you know. And I don't know. It takes way too long, and I'm just like, oh man. Well, yeah. And so one of his things in trying to delay her um, is he's trying to dissuade her from marrying this vicar who has kids. So he like makes this grand plan that mm-hmm. he's going to leave her. With his children, who are holy terrors. They're hellions. They're insane. They're hellions. They're cretins. They're (laughs) pouring paint all over people. You you sound like the governess. uh, Yeah. I mean, they sound like I enjoy kids. I get on with kids. But these little girls sound like the worst ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he leaves her with them. And... Her favorite, Lucy, is, like, not feeling well. And so she's in the bedroom, and the other two are, I don't even know what. Because then she just goes in with the her favorite one and reads to her for hours while leaving the other two just out and about the other parts of the house, not attending to them. <laughs> and, like... Then eventually she kind of comes out from with Lucy when Lucy finally kind of falls asleep and... The two girls have caused chaos everywhere. And it's just like, and she ends this experience thinking that she did good. Like, she's <laughs> like, I was successful with the children. I was like, no, you weren't. You ignored two of them for the entire time while they caused chaos. And you spent the whole time with the one that you liked. I was really upset by that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I was like, okay. Um, yeah, like, and when she comes out of Lucy's room and tucks her into bed and it's all beautiful, the other one, Lydia, comes screaming down the hall and, like, covers her in ink, ink, and, like, it's like, I destroyed Anne's music, and it's like, what? Um, it was This is what you're supposed to prevent as a babysitter. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. Yeah, and And then, then, and then she But then Jasper thinks it's, like, a wild success, too, even though then she also, like, leaves the kids there, like, granted- their grandmother would no, come she, back. Oh, <laughs> grandma came back. But like, no. And then she, not only does she leave, but then she goes, 
like back to the scene of the crime, like the house, basically. Because where she her wants and the Duke riding lived. boots. <clears throat> she wants her riding boots. She has to have her riding boots. Like, did I miss something? Was there another reason that she went back? No, it was to get her riding boots. And like, she kept <laughs> asking for them. And I'm like, why don't they just show, send a man to get their riding boots? They have servants. Send a man <laughs> to get the riding boots. They'll be back at the house by the time you get there. There was no reason for her to have to go there except for her to be like stubborn and obnoxious. <laughs> it's like it's like in Wicked when she kept going to the fucking tombs. <laughs> no. Why are you going down there? <laughs> Why? Everyone's told you not to go to the tombs. And but then, I then it's like then you turn the page and it's like, I decided I had to go to the tombs. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Um, and so she decides she has to go get her riding boots. And then when yes. she shows up, the guy's like, who are you? Like, and she's like, I'm Miss Burley. And they're like, oh. And they like, they fucking forgot like, who she they was. They forgot her. She'd been gone like two weeks or something Dead like seriously. that. And has lived there for eight years or something she's been there a long time like who the heck what the, the servants in this were kind of weird <laughs> they, they were all they were all kind of jerks and like snots right <laughs> like really yeah. not i don't know there was like there wasn't any i mean well like like unless we're talking about marticia like the young oh, yeah, girl no. she maid, was lovely that she was sweet but like yeah no <laughs> but yeah so she shows up and they're like oh okay you're riding boots and she's like i'm gonna go in the parlor and then she goes in the parlor and starts like playing and then she hears a sound and it's <gasps> like so she like i guess to back up and whatever but like as soon as the Duke left on his honeymoon, he's like, you can't stay here anymore because clearly someone tried to murder you here. You need to go into hiding. And they yeah. convince her to go to Hartwell's, like, out in these, like, huge, glorious estates. Like, oh, wow, boo-hoo for you. You got to go to these oh, estates. Oh, no. <laughs> these beautiful estates where people make me bonbons and biscuits and chocolate all the time. And my best friend is here. Oh, yeah, this right. is just I the was, worst. It was, like, the worst. I was like, it could be worse. But, okay. <laughs> you could but, be um, dead. <laughs> yeah, you could have died. Um, but, like, and so she's not really supposed to go back to the house, like, downing. Because she's in hiding. And the guy could, the, the killer could see her. So, of course, when she goes back, she hears a sound when she's there. And I'm like, oh, my oh God. No. If this person's going to kill her, I'm going to be really dissatisfied. And it's Hartwell. And he is angry, angry. Because they always, they always find you when you misbehave. Mm -hmm. Bad daddy. But he's he not angry you. because she left his kids, which she was supposed to be doing that whole taking care <laughs> of. He's angry because she came back to the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so priorities, you know. Um, yes. Yes are there <laughs> and he's he's mad and he also just had like a talk with his dad that in the book he had a talk with his dad where his dad who is a disgusting racist like not a good person like a lot no. of people in this book are disgustingly racist and Hartwell does call a lot of people out on that which is good um he he's like he's basically like listen you really like this girl you should marry her and yeah. Hartwell's he's like, like you're take her as a mistress marry her do whatever you need you just do, do what something. you need to be happy just do something uh, he, he and it says was, what everyone's thinking even though yeah. he's the worst in the book <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so I think he's, like, impassioned. I don't know how he found out that she was back at Downing, but he finds her there, and and I don't know. One thing leads to another, and then they're, like, fucking playing tonsil hockey, man. They're, like... 
<laughs> intensely kissing. Intensely kissing. Everything has led, like, built all the tension of finally, like, he's like, all I need from you is a yes that you want me. And she's like, yes. And then he, like, kisses her. And, I mean, it was pretty, like, to me, that was the ultimate act scene when, like, he ah. was kissing her and kind of, like, unbuttoned her dress and they were on the couch and he was like, spin me in your cocoon, finish me. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I like that. I'm like, I'm, okay, man. I'm like, turn the page. And then there's a fucking knock. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Yup. <laughs> yup. Because. I was mad. Because like, it's not going to happen. Can't, uh, just, uh, can't a Viscount and a, a woman get it on in a, a, a you know, a dis- indiscreet affair in a can't parlor? They? No. <laughs> No, they cannot because no. she needs to be honorable. She needs to be an honorable woman. That's all she wants. And she was kind of letting go of her boundaries right here. Naughty, naughty. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so after this, she basically decides she's going to marry the vicar. Right. Again. Oh, my God. It was like so up and down. Like they're like making out and she's like and then it was clear I could never be with a man the way I was with this man and all this stuff and honor and then then she's rushing up the stairs and she screams cause like the the thief had been back to her room and he's like what is it and then she's like oh we can't do this I'm gonna marry the vicar and he's like no you have to marry me and she's like never I will never marry out of obligation cause she's like he wants to marry me just to protect me and it's like no oh my god he likes you he's been telling you he He, likes you for ages he he likes he likes you so fucking much (laughs) like it's he's obsessed with her he's he's Mm -hmm. downright like he 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 basically told her I would drink from your I would sip from your 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 hands, if you just cupped them together and gave, he's like, I would drink you. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck, but, what do you need? But you know what? He never told her. He never told her that he loved her. This is semantics, okay? But yes, all this did. time, he has not said this. All these other things, all these fancy words, but he has not said that he loved her. So she decides she's going to marry the vicar. It's all the arrangements are made for her Yuletide wedding. It is now the, the day sucks. before. Yeah. yeah, he's he's just like kind of blah. He's like going to pretend that she's not mixed race and tell everyone that she's just tan. And <laughs> it's just ridiculous. He's, he's not great. Not great. Um, no. So it's the day before the wedding and Hartwell is talking to his brother and realizes he has to do something to stop this wedding. He needs to be the one that steps up and marries her. The day before. Like, really? I mean, <laughs> we had to wait. F- like yeah. four weeks. Four weeks had passed. Four weeks had passed. Long enough to no read No one had tried to kill the her bands. in this four weeks. Yes. Apparently, like, they just couldn't find where she was because there was just so many places for her mm-hmm. to hide. She was the same place the whole time. She was at her best friend's house. She was at, like, the house of the guy that the stalker was jealous of and he never thought to look there. Hmm. This I don't is very know. confusing. Yeah. Right. And then here's my favorite part. So he decides I'm I'm gonna be that guy who objects to the wedding, right? I'm gonna go. Yes. He got his like on his horse and ran off. And me then it kind of fast forwards to her on her wedding day, and her friend's like, You are so sad. And she's like, No, I'm not. And she's <laughs> like, Yes, yeah, you, you are. are. You're fucking miserable. You don't have to do this. And she's like, yes, I do. And then she's like, no, you don't. 
And then, like, literally, she's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like, people have been telling her this for weeks and months. People have been telling her, like, Jasper has been telling her this constantly. But, like, Everyone now- wants her to marry Jasper. And she's like, no. <laughs> and now on the day of, she's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to marry the vicar. It's just like. Well, and like, I, okay, like there were so many beautifully written parts of this book, but at this scene, I like stopped and I was like, no, I let Veer, and I was like, wait, and I like kind of turned back a couple pages and I was like trying to see if there was like a moment where it went through her mental process because it it was so quick and she was like, you're right, I don't have to get married. And then Jasper shows up and he's like, I'm not going to let you marry the vicar. And she like pops her head out the window and she's like, I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, what? And she's like, I've just decided not to. And yeah. I was like, I couldn't like wrap my head around it because it was so like nonchalant when she had been, she'd just been like, she'd been gripping. so adamant leading adamant. up to this. There was like no development into that shift. And, but like, so he has this whole romantic thing planned where he's like, well, come down here. And then she keeps being like, well, I need to write to my dad and to the vicar. I mean, it's kind of true. He's like, like she's going to sway. Well, but she's- the whole thing is she never like does. She just kind of keeps alluding to it. But the- and at that point, I'd be like, hey, best friend, can you do this for me? Can you pen these letters really quickly? Well, yeah, can you, can you you're already abandoning pen- someone at the altar. Like, the I don't, altar. I think it's more important to let them know rather than like, Oh, I should be the one to write a perfect letter right now. No matter what you write, it's not going to be a perfect letter. <laughs> no, let it's them just know. like you need to call someone, get someone on the horn and like, this isn't happening. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. And I, I did kind of think about that, too. I was like, uh, is anyone going to go tell the vicar and anyone else gathering at the St. George's Chapel that she's just not yeah. going to go? But then she just goes with Hartwell and then he, like, doesn't he bring her to, like, this little tiny church yes, to marry this her? this tiny little church where he has it all <clears> done <throat> out for a Yuletide wedding and all her people are there instead of at St. George's. <laughs> and um, he's like, marry me. And so this was the part where I got a little bit frustrated. One of the reasons she was in such a rush to choose who she was going to marry is because in this time you had to have the reading of your bands, which happens like the four weeks prior to the ceremony, where oh. in church each week they read out like these two people are going to get married. And so that's when people have the opportunity to object I Uh believe that they didn't have then the wording in the actual like day of, of like, does anyone object? Because they do that for the four weeks leading up. And so once you get through that, you're good. There's no problems Mm -hmm. with the people getting married. And so there was exceptions to this. Um, You could also get a common license and a common license was used if you needed to get it a little bit quicker. It cost more money to do, uh, but you could kind of go through the regular churches to get it done um and you don't have to have the reading of the bands for that one but he specifically says that he got a special license and mind you we just heard the day before this happening that he's like i'm gonna marry her and i'm gonna make this happen tomorrow i'm gonna marry her um for the special license this could only be issued by the archbishop of canterbury 
one person in all of England out in Canterbury is the only person that can issue this license. This wasn't something he could go to local government for. He had to go to the Archbishop of Canterbury. And so this is what I have a problem with. I'm like, if he had said, I got a common license, I'd be like, hells yeah, you did. Uh, But a special (laughs) license, when did he have time to go to Canterbury and back to get this license when he just chose the day before that he was going to make this happen? The logic is not there. And, you know, maybe the Viscount (laughs) went to the Earl who has connections and I don't I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, I, I I was I I I didn't pick up on the bands at all. Like that is new to me. <laughs> okay, Thank that's you so- why it's like there was so much action happening up to her deciding she was going to marry the Viscount, and then it hops forward a month because basically the month is just like we have to read these bands so that we can get married. Right. <laughs> so. Exactly. But she, yeah, so that that atrocity. And then, <laughs> no, I see. Is that your logistical? That's, that's your logistical my thing. Bone? That's my one thing. I'm like with all the research that she puts in, which she does beautiful research. She uses like these accurate songs. Um, she makes notes about like all these great things. Like the fact that I was like, should have been a common license. Shouldn't be a special <laughs> license. There's uh-uh, no uh-uh. way he would have been able to get a special license the day before. <laughs> All right. So you learn things. Learning. Rachel, I, yeah, fun learn facts. Things. Rachel, Rachel, fun facts. Rachel, fun facts. I love historical fiction. Um, <laughs> ooh. So they, they, get, they, get, they get married in this little church. She had previously gone to this church with him, and it was like a romantic moment. Yes. Um, so it was very sweet for her to get married in this little church. And, I mean, like... It was it was a beautiful ceremony, but then immediately, I mean, they 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 literally. First of all, I don't do they kiss? Like I don't I don't even know. If they I don't kissed. even know if they kissed. But suddenly, birth. Suddenly, Theodosia is giving birth. She's been having oh, right. a hard pregnancy. She's pregnant. Super pregnant. It's been a hard one, and so she starts giving birth. She can't even get back home. She has to like start giving birth in Hartwell's house, and this birth freaks the fuck out of Jasper. He cannot mm-hmm. handle it. He has this huge fear um, of childbirth, and he's, like, convinced that any time that it is a boy child, it's going to be a hard birth, and that the wife or the woman will be more risk of dying. And so he basically, like, starts freaking out, gets drunk off his ass because he cannot handle the fact that she's having a crazy birth. Um, This is one that is, the scene is actually really greatly done. Um, Like it kind of talks about how um, they brought in, I think it was like Esther's mom who is familiar with um, birthing babies and like kind of is more like a midwife than the doctors that are usually used in that day. And a lot of the practices that the doctors used in that day were super dangerous for childbirth. Like they wanted to keep all the windows closed because they didn't want to let in a chill, but then that also like incubates bad bacteria and stuff like that. And so like just little details like her making sure that they kept the windows open and things like that yeah. were actually really yeah. good. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember this scene because his Wife had a terribly hard birth. It wasn't what killed her. It was stomach cancer. Yes. She had a terribly hard birth that she never quite recovered from. And then she died of cancer a little bit later. 
Right. And I could yeah. see, like, he was clearly so triggered. He went from being, yes. like, elated and euphoric and newly married to as soon as, like, Theodosia fell into that, he was back reliving his trauma of his mm. wife, you know, going into a hard labor. And I think it kind of... Like, meanwhile, by the way, like, Frederica and all the women are, like, fucking hands to the ground. They're 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 going to, to work to support this woman in labor. And yep. he's over in the corner just, like, gray, like, gray-faced and thin-lipped, like, yeah, uh, you know, and so, of course. I'm being I'm unhelpful like, and making comments where they're like, just get the fuck out. Right. <laughs> You're not helping. Yeah, it was a weird kind of a, I, I mean, it was kind of a bummer for sure. <laughs> like, the baby's being born, but I was like, oh, this is a bummer. But, and then, like, Theodosia almost does die. She almost, she's she very does. close. She very d- close. I, she I, had twins. She had twins, dude. Back then, I would have been like, wow, you're lucky. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. even, like, I thought she died. I was really sad. Like, when I got to that chapter, I was like, no. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Um, but she made it. She made it. She had she, twins. She birthed twins, dude. And at this point, as in most romance novels, because now, like, they finally come together as lovers, but I feel like there's always then another bump in the road before they get there happily ever after. And this is the bump then is that he is triggered. And then he's like, well, I can never sleep with her because then she'll get pregnant and I can't have her bearing a child. And then she's like, well, I guess we will only be married in name and not in actual love. And so it was so it was, it was uncomfortable because like they spent the whole book kind of verbally worshiping each other <laughs> and yeah. then and now they're finally married and disconnect complete and disconnect he wanted no like, one else to have her he wanted to consume her he wanted to possess her and then they get married and he watches the childbirth and he's like no cannot put penis inside of you you may nope. become with child like and he even Not said okay. earlier in the book, he said earlier in the book, there's ways to prevent it. So he was obviously aware of some birth control methods. And I was like, yep. dude, you got the girl. She's yours. Like, why aren't you ravishing her? Yeah. What happens in the marriage bed is sacred. Come on. Let's make it sacred. Yep. I was mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was very frustrating. And there was even a scene where it was Christmas Day and he comes down and Frederica is already up with the children and they've already opened all their presents. And I was like, did you really just open the his children's presents without him there? I got really annoyed by that. I would have gone back to bed. Like if that would if I was like, like seven, uh, yeah, seven days into a marriage, I was in a depression spiral. I, w- and my, I came downstairs and my, my now wife and my children had opened all the presents without me. I'd be like, Christmas is over. yes but luckily he was actually kind of rallying at this time and he kind of starts playing the piano and she comes to find him there and we kind of get back into some piano forte kissing again piano foreplay forte Yes. So it's, you know, it's a while into their marriage and finally they are going to do their ultimate act. Would you like a dramatic reading (laughs) of the ultimate act? I have been waiting for like 200 plus pages. I've watched him worship her. I'm ready to I'm ready to see how it goes down. 
Yes. They're married. Okay. It's proper. It's respectable in the eyes of God. Yes. Let's see it. So then she floated like a butterfly as he scooped her up into his arms. She was above the piano, feet dangling as he spun her until she was dizzy. And she clung to him more tightly as he carried her to bed. The clothes of her doors, two robes swooshing to the floor. Jasper's murmured words, ones that sounded of love. But Frederica was lost, lost to his tenderness, lost to his kisses, deep ones, light ones, nothing held back ones. Then the mystery, the mystical union unfolded, unrestrained and unending, and her husband loved her once, definitely twice. And in the wee hours of the morning, she reached for him again, for good measure. There it is! Oh, that's it. Yep. That's it. That's it. That, that's it, you guys. I, I need yeah, more. That's, that's, that, I, I, I mean. I have a good imagination, but I need more. I'm sorry. Now, is that beautifully written? Yes. That's a beautifully yes. written, Yes. I just personally, I was like, oh, my God, I wanted to see them bone. I wanted to see the man and wife bone, okay? They had worked hard to get to this point, and they had overcome a lot of emotional obstacles. Let's let's bring it, let's bring it down. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, I am also like, this is, you know, we don't, I mean, you know why you read romance novels. They're, you know, it's. You know why, yes. On. But I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's some people's cup of tea and I'm not going to knock it. So that's fine. Yes. But yes, I was like, definitely when I got to that point, I was like, I like turned the page and I was like, what? Mm? Oh, oh, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Back to the murder so mystery plot. Remember there's a murder mystery yes, mystery. There's a murder, there's murder, a murder plot. mystery plot, you guys. guys. So <laughs> now that they've slept together, he is now determined to root out who this person is. He knows that it can be like one of three people. And so he brings everyone together to kind of root out who it is. He has the Duke there. The Duke is back now. It turns mm-hmm. out the Duke was never at the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the church where she was supposed to get married. He just <laughs> oh, right. didn't make it back from he, his honeymoon. Cause neglectful father. <laughs> Sent his regards to her wedding. Like, regards. Yeah. Oh, oh God. My goodness. Fuck but him. he's back now. He's back now. And so they bring everyone together, the Lord Mayor and some of the people that were the suspects. And it turns out that the person that was trying to get her, the way that they solved it was the fact that the dogs had not been alerted. They they had been outside and they did not react to the person out there. So it had to be someone that knew the dogs and the only person that knew the dogs as well as like Frederica and the Duke was, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Canterfield. His I knew Canterfield. it. Yeah. And I knew it. See, I knew it was oh, him. Oh, God. It was he so was, obvious. They put a scene in earlier that made it really obvious. He's like, so where is she? Uh-huh. So where is she? Uh-huh. And where is she? <laughs> and you're and, like, well, that's yeah. subtle. Hartwell's <laughs> like, she's a butterfly. She doesn't have a home. I'll see you later. <laughs> Don't you touch her. <laughs> she's mine. You know? <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if it's Canterfield person. Canter- 
Canterbury? Yeah, Canterfield. 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 Canterbury is where... The Archbishop. The Archbishop is. (laughs) (laughs) The Canterbury Tales. No, Canterfield. Uh, So he is the ultimate villain. He is actually the Duke's second wife's brother. And he was favored by the Duke. He really wanted her to get with him. But at the same time, Canterfield kind of like just left her in a lustful, not love way in a like, I want to have her and own her, but I don't want it to be an honorable marriage. And yeah, like, have you, you know, if you've seen the Knight's Tale, um, (laughs) (laughs) what's the guy's name? Auric. He like, oh yeah, Auric. Von Lichten? No, no, no. Oric von Lichtenstein Orcs? is William. The Never mind. Good one. What's yeah. his name? It's the bad guy. Oh, I can't remember. I his forgot name. his name. But anyway, he's the bad guy from A Knight's Tale, and usually he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna possess her. She's like a fine horse, yeah. and yeah, yeah gross. Needs it's to just be like that. He wanted well. to own her. It's terrible. Fucking terrible. Yes. Yeah, so, and can I say, I found this to be a quite violent takedown. Of the bad person. So, first of all, first of all, Hartwell pulls out his rapier and, like, carves an F into this guy's forehead (gasps) for Frederica and then, like, slashes him all over his body with this rapier. And I was like, already with that, I was like, oh, oh, oh. This is very violent. (laughs) He's just, like, scoring this guy's body with Mm -hmm. a rapier. And, I mean, the police are right there. I'm like, <laughs> let them take him away. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently, once you marry the Duke's daughter, you can do whatever the heck you want uh, to this guy in front of the police. Um, he took justice and, into his own hands. Yeah. Well, but then he, like, he gets away, starts running away, and the Duke sends his dogs after him, and the dogs just decimate him. So, like, this villain just gets the most torn apart by dogs. Torn apart by dogs (laughs) after being slashed up with a rapier. Like, what? It didn't fit in with the rest of the story to me. It was very, very Yeah, it's a really... Because, like, at this point, his... What was his... His crime was theft and, like, attempted assault. Like, a... Attempted assault, attempted, attempted murder. murder, one could say. The stalking. Right. Stalking, but okay. Yes, so I, I feel like that's something you would go to jail for. Um yes. That you wouldn't be viciously devoured <laughs> by dogs for doing? I don't know. I, it's my thought. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, he was a real creep. You could tell there was some, was. like, sadistic ways. But, yeah, that is quite intense. Uh, yes. And everyone lived happily ever after? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, everyone lived happily ever after. Um, they mentioned that one of their friends is probably going to be putting an advertisement in the paper. Oh. <gasps> oh. oh, and I guess there was one other thing that I did want to make note of that I found really interesting was that in this book, one of the things that brought Jasper and mm-hmm. Frederica together that they bonded about was that she's dealt with a lot of discrimination because mm-hmm. she is a mixed race. And he has this big tale about the discrimination he faces as a redheaded person. And I found that really weird. And like, so because I know I not like I factually, yeah, I factually know that there actually is a good amount of discrimination that happens toward 
redheaded people specifically in the United Kingdom. Um, like it's brought up there. Then you see it in things like South Park. Um, mm-hmm. And she even puts in a paragraph in her afterward talking about discrimination against redheads and how it was likened, like there was this idea that Judas Iscariot was a redhead person. And then that it's like a mark of a sinful person. Um, but for me, it was really jarring to have that be like, this is equivalent. His, um, his point of reference, right. To yes. like her experiencing like systemic racism. Yes. And so it was really interesting. And like, then also at the same time to have it being written by a person of color. So obviously it's something she's comfortable exploring. So I just, it was really weird to me to be like, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question, but I think like it, I, I feel like I learn a lot about Regency England. So I had no, I had no idea that that was actually a point of discrimination. I mean, to me, even to this day, right. To me, I always thought like redheads just got lucky. Look at their awesome red hair. I, yeah, I know, I'm right? Jealous. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I kind of just thought they got the like kind of poked at like, oh, you just have red hair. But I never thought it ginger. was anything. Ginger. I never thought it was because I always thought like, well, what do you, oh, they have beautiful fiery red hair. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what are, I know. This is <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I guess I need to educate myself on. But yeah. And I, and I, I guess, like, in my brain, I also feel like it's not at the same level today no. as it was. But, uh, I mean, it has to be out there for it to be referenced in so many things. Like, the fact that South Park has an entire s- story arc about one of the characters being a redhead and a daywalker and all that stuff. It's like... Definitely. Uh, it's it's big enough that these things pick up and talk about it. But no, I found no, that really definitely. interesting. Right, right. No, and, and, and I mean, maybe, I think... Oh, God, go ahead. Maybe finding the commonalities in these things is really what we should be leaning into. Like, yeah, even though it's not the same struggle, finding the ways in which you can connect on having similar experiences. Yeah, it's like number. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think saying that, like, number one, Hartwell was absolutely kind of using some empathy and saying, like, hey, you know, here's something I experienced. Um Maybe, you know, maybe he didn't find it to be the same. He was just saying, like, it is, you know, feeling like the odd one out, feeling ostracized and judged consistently is hard. Um, and he he's very protective of her, and he's always, mm-hmm. like, curious and listening and, like, respectful to her. He kind of, despite her saying things like, he doesn't love me with, as a whole person, he I think he kind of did throughout the book. He really did kind of, like consistently stand up for her respect her like you know ask her questions and kind of like and when he when he messed up he just he did try to buy her like bonbons but he also was like so much candy and ice cream yeah he would just be like i fucked up didn't i like i i I messed up it wasn't ever Uh, like you know he was never like get used to it toots (laughs) yeah so i messed up would you like some ice cream i messed up would you like some bonbons yeah, I mean, I saw that as yeah. him. Like, even though I, I agree with you, it's it's like definitely not the same experience whatsoever. Um, I saw that as him trying to like relate to her and 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 find commonality there with her. Definitely, yeah. But yeah, I don't 
so the butterfly I mean, there's bride. our book the butterfly yeah. bride <laughs> and so she good. got married and the great mystery unfolded just not long enough but shine on you crazy diamonds happy for you <laughs> she got to be a yuletide bride and he got to keep her everything is fine and she's gonna everything live through childbirth fine. maybe she we'll is. see it in the next book i don't know i mean i think it's very possible i think it's very very possible <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening. Um, definitely, if you are able to give us a rating on Apple iTunes, like yeah. that would be awesome. If you want to contact us, you can always email us. We're going to give you all our handles in just a second here. here. But let us we, know we love what- doing this. Let us know what you're reading. If it's you know, let us know what romance book you're reading and what you'd like yeah. us to read or cover. We uh, we yeah. we wanna we wanna talk. <laughs> Let's yeah. Talk. Right now we're just kind of picking at random from everywhere. We're like, how about this? How about this? But we are totally open this? to having some suggestions, yes. pointing us in the way yes. of what really excites you and what you love to hate in the romance genre <laughs> love to hate and then love to love there's so many there's yes. great there's good and, there's good there's all of it it's a balance yeah yes. so we'll have a lovely safe week holiday <laughs> holiday everyone and <laughs> for all you yuletide brides out there yeah thank you so much for listening to a, a real, real bodice ripper, ripper. <laughs> Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Real Bodice Ripper. Intro, outro, trailer music is Air by D. Yan Key. You can find us and talk to us at the following. Instagram at A Real Bodice Ripper. Twitter at A-R-B-R Podcast. Or email us at arealbodiceripper at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard, give us a rate on iTunes. Take a care. And many felicitations upon your household. <laughs>